You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 54 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, and we'll be joined during the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, it happens every week, but we're still waiting by that post box to get paid. This is the Always Moto podcast, and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport, because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll be talking Super Motocross from Detroit and the heartbreak that was for AP. Um, Always Moto Fantasy League and the Super Motocross Emergency Department updates that we have heading into the next West Coast round uh, of this at Seattle um, for the 250s and obviously the 450s being there as well. We have our weekly product inspection highlight, but bringing us the show today is Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors from the H10 chest strap and the top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grit X Pro. And if you haven't checked out that review, that in-depth review on our episode 52 or our article on fullnoise.com.au, I encourage you to go and do so. You might be purchasing yourself a Polar product here very soon. Thanks to Slamboard Guy. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place with Slamboard, and they have offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save. Endurance recovery boots. If you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before each session. These recovery boots can help you be your best for your next effort. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save as well. Tech 167 3D printing. If you haven't seen that 3D printed funnel that we are using for our oil changes now, um, please check out our social media. It's very cool. It screws straight into the oil filler cap and you can't make a mess. It's in, it's fantastic product, guys and girls. There's a special code that they have for us for the Always Moto listeners and you can only hear it here. It's not in any of our text or promotion things on social. We won't write it down anywhere. You have to be listening and here it is. It's Always Moto in lowercase at checkout. Uh, and as always, we still need your show support uh, directly to the show. So if you want to purchase some merchandise from us, please do so. We have our T-shirts available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. 
So check that out. Um, and if you want to support the podcast, you can rock that T-shirt at your next race. Email us at info at alwaysmoto.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and send us your size. Now, the sizings are running small. So go up a size or two and you'll be very happy with your purchase once you receive it. And we're going to be doing payments via PayPal app. And speaking of the PayPal app, if you want to send a donation to Always Moto Podcast, just jump on our links in the show notes where you'll find all of those sp- wonderful sponsors, but also our donate to PayPal uh, option will be there. Uh, and you can send us a donation of any size. And if you, when you're sending through that amount, make sure you leave us a question or drop a comment and we'll be reading it out on the show. All right, that's enough of that intro talk. Let's jump into this show. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, we're rolling on the show this week for the episode 54. Now, we've got the contract on the line, but he might sound a little off this week. He reckons he's got the man flu or something going on. How are we doing, Benny? Yeah, not too bad, Dave. Yeah, not too bad. You sound fine to me. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's the, the listeners will understand. When you get a cold, you just, you know, you sound a bit funny, but we're here and we're... Uh, we're ready to go. Yeah, righto. Well, it's not like you've uh, – well, maybe you have been. I, I was going to say, it's not like you've been snorting coke that's been making you get you know all stuffy or whatever, but you are in in an interesting area for Australia for that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're in the uh, yeah drug capital of Australia, so it's possible. <laughs> there is something funny that goes on down that way with, uh, with uh, growing it or producing it or importing. I don't know how you get it in the middle of nowhere down there, but you seem to have a lot of it, so – no, we're in the middle of nowhere, so we can just grow it, and it's all right. It must be those farms. Nobody ever goes out there. So <laughs> yeah, that's that right. <laughs> uh, all good. But, yeah, look, struggle through, mate. Thanks for putting up putting, putting up the effort to get on the, on, the, on the show this week. No, that's all right. That's fine. All right, so let's jump into it. So Detroit's been run, done. We're heading to Seattle, back to a West Coast round. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I was pretty much – gutted and felt sick for most of the um sunday afternoon our time after that race and and the heartbreak for for aaron plessinger yeah it wasn't great the uh the cameras weren't on him and you heard the crowd and you just you just knew straight away who it was mm. and um in style too may i add he he didn't um didn't muck around on making it interesting but That's the cowboy flair coming out but, mate yeah, but yeah, very, very disappointing. Yeah, look, it was it was tough to watch, and obviously, like he did a really nice, as good of a job as he could have to do that interview and and sort of keep it together. Like it was tough for him, you could tell, and and that first shot of him when he was riding off the track there, and you know visors off and the helmets pulled down, and you can tell that he's just literally big man's just bawling his eyes out. Which I don't blame him. I probably would have been doing the same. Um, so yeah, it was pretty rough for, for a little bit there for him, but. Let's see what sort of a man he is when he bounces back this week and, and what he can put together because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people, like we talked about with Chase Sexton and crashing out of the lead and people bringing it up in the pits and stuff all day. I'm sure he's going to be hammered with it during the pits in Seattle you know, this Saturday for him. How he responds on Saturday night will be a very interesting thing to see. Yeah, well, <clears throat> that's another Alpine Stars visor down, so tick that down. Somebody's got to have a list um, or a counter or something on on a website somewhere. Like there's freaking all these meme pages. Surely somebody's doing an Alpine Star or you know it used to be Fox Visors, but surely there's a visor count for the season somewhere. Can we get a, you know maybe um 
Maybe Clint Fowler can uh, can update us on the on the stats on those Super Motocross shows or something. Yeah, we might have to get on the Twitter and um, yeah, see how many visors we've lost. But uh, <clears throat> got to give it up to AP though for getting on the on the like you know he had an interview with JT and a lot of people wouldn't have done that and um, definitely showed his true emotions at that point, uh, which you know as fans we were all feeling for him and. But he did say he'll be ready to go this week. And, um, yeah, like you said, he'll probably get asked plenty of times in the pits how he's feeling and, you know, but I think he'll um, he'll power through and I think he'll have a good race. Let's let's hope so. Let's hope he can just, you know, harness all that and, and avoid, you know, just getting in his own head and just, just have, a, have a good clear ride this week and see what happens because... Yeah, we don't want to see anything else going wrong for him again. That'd be just too much of a hole to dig out of if mentally, if it if it goes wrong again. So let's see how he plays out. But on the two fifty side of things, a couple of interesting moments uh, in the heat races. But it was definitely in this East Coast Championship. It's been very much the Hunter Lawrence show, and he he's just smoking them at present. Like he wasn't in the same ballpark as them after about the first lap and a bit. Yeah, if you're not if you're not picking Hunter for FFL in fantasy, you're shooting yourself in the foot uh, because there's no one even close to close to him. He just pulls a whole shot and just disappears, and that's it. You know the, the star boys always say, oh, "We need to be up front." You know, start up front, and we'll be able to have a go. But they start up front, and nothing happens. So uh, he's just yeah in a league of his own. Did you notice, but on that start? Yes, he got the first to the finish line, but there was that point in one of the left-hand bowl corners just off the... I think it might have even been the, the first corner. And he, and I think it was Deegan sort of tried to run him wide and Hunter just nailed it right on the edge of that first up-ramp. And I was like, there's like got to be a millimetre in that in terms of him making that and keeping going or clipping the edge of that bike and just spitting it into the middle of the track and just eating shit. Did you see that? No, I didn't catch that, but it's as easy as that. I mean, you look at Anstey, just, you know, I think it was the second corner he went down. So, um, yeah, it's it's quite easy for that to happen and just, I mean, lucky for us because we're all cheering for Hunter. But, yeah, he's had some had some scary moments this year. I think the first race, Tom Vial sort of cross-jumped him a little bit and mm. he nearly went flying then, so... Um, he's had some close calls, but he, luckily he's got away with it. Yeah, go back if you get a chance, anyone listening, and watch that first first corner and, and Hunter's commitment to the corner because that's what sort of – I think it was just an an insanely insane level of confidence that he just thought he had that corner and wasn't going to let anybody sort of take it away from him. But he got real close there. You know, another couple of millimetres could have been a big different – bit different. But – a couple of millimetres that wasn't different was the uh, Jordan Smith, uh, Hayden Deegan situation in the heat race. That got out of hand real quick. Yeah, it did. It was, you know, he, well, Smith was trying to overtake him and, you know, there was a bit of bit of cat and mouse going on. I thought, oh, that won't last long, but uh, then it did. And Smith ended up on the ground, which isn't a good uh, sight for Star. Um so yeah, I'm not really sure what he was doing. He should have just, you know, slowed up and waited maybe for the whoops on the next lap or something like that. But yeah, I don't really know what he was thinking. Yeah, that that for me is what 
what sort of stands out in all this is like Jordan's um, race IQ. He he obviously got a bit flustered by what was happening in those couple of you know switchback corners there, and then obviously yeah he stuffed up. He ran into the into the back side, whatever you want to call it, and you know tipped over the back wheel of um of Hayden there. But then if he had to slow down and just you know sat behind him for the next lap and got him in the whoops again, that would have probably worked perfect. Or once he did crash and he got up, if he had to just rode a bit differently, a bit more sensible, he would have still made the main. And then that last corner of that LCQ, I know things were going sideways that whole time, but he got there. How the hell do you end up on the, think that the outside of the corner, in the last corner like that, where you're coming from a, that tiny angle to that thing, there's no, no way to open that corner up. There's no way you're going to pass a guy on the outside there. All you're going to see is tough blocks at that point. And that's exactly what he ran into. Yeah, and he went down for that. So I think that was, what, one, two, maybe four times he went down or four crashes. So, so uh, the the one through the whoops. And, <laughs> yeah, the one through the whoops and he went flying over the side of the berm. Like, you know, that's another visor gone because um, I'm pretty sure he lost his there. But, you know, just – there was no need if he just slowed it up a little bit and then, you know, for the LCQ, for him to stall it uh, around that cor- whichever corner it was and then he still, you know, he did well to get back. But, yeah, the IQ to go outside, uh, I'm not real sure what he's thinking. No, not at all. But anyway, look, he, he's going to have to um, – he's got a long couple of weeks to think about it too because the, uh, the East Coast isn't happening this week and West has got this week a week off and then another West Coast round before they're, before he's racing. So it could be a long couple of weeks for him to work this out but wouldn't want to be in his head trying to sleep like this last week. That would have been an interesting interesting situation. But anyway, look, over the, uh, over the weekend too, not only did we have the Supercross from Detroit, we had the – let's call it the second round because it was officially the second round of the Oz Pro MX from Appen, uh, which is in New South Wales, the East Coast of New South Wales, just just near Sydney there for everyone listening around that might not know where exactly where that is. And it was an interesting weekend uh, in terms of a lot of comments around track prep and uh, the amount of water that was put down on particularly on the first corner. And I've got to say that's pretty much uh, standard for Appen and their track prep. I've been there many, many times on club days and it's exactly the same and they still haven't figured it out. And this is, I haven't done a club day there for probably a good six or seven years since I've moved um, and they've been doing the same thing well before that. So yeah, not a lot that I can say about it because I've seen it all before. Yeah, no, there was a lot of talk coming into the weekend that, you know, the prep would be a talking point. And, yeah, it definitely was uh, come, well, I think first thing in the morning, practice and qualifying, you know, it was just photos showing up on the socials that people were just covered in mud. And uh, and then, yeah, that big pile up in the MX1 um, start, just, yeah, I'm not really sure what they were thinking, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't great. And, you know, it was dust towards the end of them, so... It, you know, it's wet in one spot and dusty the rest of the track. So, yeah, it's not uh, – wasn't ideal conditions. Yeah, which – and for that track, for the people who don't realise, like that start straight is separate from the rest of the racetrack. So the amount of water that needs to be on that section does not need to be as much, if not half of as much, as the rest of the track. 
So for the rest of the track to get dry and, and you know, baked and, and come dusty later in the day because of the heat, I kind of expect that. But that first corner doesn't need that much water. They're going over it four times in the day, something like that. So, you know, what's the point? But that whole, like you mentioned there about the practice and everyone covered in mud, that's standard. It got to the point when I would go there for the club days and not do practice. I'd sit out until the first moto. I wouldn't ride. Because there was no point. Your bike would come back. It would be caked in this clay because Appen's an absolute clay track. And it would just stick to you like glue and you couldn't get it off and you were filthy. And you couldn't barely ride the bike the rest of the day because of all the shit on it. If you didn't have your own pressure washer, it was insane. So obviously, like for these guys, it's a national. They're going to have all that sort of prep there and ability to, you know, wash between rounds and stuff. But still, you just... The chance of you know cooking a clutch or destroying a motor because of the, the the bog that is happening in that first practice session is just ridiculous. Yeah, and you know I've I've seen people saying you know not not riders but just people in the comments and stuff like that like please don't send them back there again. Um, <laughs> well, unfortunately, so, they probably won't in terms of that track. <clears throat> excuse me. That track is obviously getting built in around in Sydney area, and I'm surprised that it's still there. Um, I know, I think I've heard um, that it might be under threat from being closed in the near future. Like it's always been sort of that way for, for a number of years from all the housing developments. <clears throat> so I wouldn't be surprised that it does not turn back but it might also just disappear altogether which would be unfortunate another track going by the wayside but yeah the the few times that they've had nationals and stuff there everyone's complained about the same sort of track prep it's not the dirt there being that clay it's not conducive to the the water and it maybe it needs to be done in the middle of winter or something so that there's a cooler day so it doesn't bake out by the end but who knows there's probably a few ways you could do it but i wouldn't be surprised if it's not on the calendar next year yeah, and you're right. It's not that far away from um, from the new housing area that has been put there already. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mm, yeah, I don't think it's going to be much much longer. Like it's literally being built in on on all sides. Um, it's been getting a lot lot closer. Like I, we, I used to live in that area, um, and I don't anymore. But there's housing development everywhere. So, um, yeah, I don't I can't see it lasting too much longer. But from the national point of view, I don't think. I don't think it's going to be favourable if it gets put on the on the list for next year from the uh, riders and teams' point of view after this weekend. But anyway, all right, that's our little general talk for this section of the podcast. Let's jump into the fantasy talk if we have to. Um, unfortunately, my my little win streak that I had going here, Benny, over yourself in our just little competition between the two of us. It's sort of been halted here. You've got two over me in the last two weeks, but I've got to say, one, obviously everyone heard about the Simonson issues last week for, for me. This week I, I kind of got a little bit shafted. I've had two bad weeks of, of luck. This one was purely just unfortunate on my side of things. You, you seem to have a good run in, in the Always Motor Fantasy League this week. Well, I wouldn't say a good run. I did only get seven players, but... Uh, I still did beat you, not by much, but I did. And um, you, yeah, very unlucky for you to have uh, two. Well, you had, I think, one rider out and then I had Cheers and didn't I had get Cheers. So I basically yeah. got last and last. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> very unlucky because normally that would have, uh, you would have beat me by quite a bit. But yeah, very unlucky. Yeah, so anyway, look, it is what it is. But 
on the bright side of things, we had our uh, tenth at ten, round ten prize up for grabs from Ringmaster Images and those gloves that we had from them. And we had Lasagna Forever that won tenth. But then when we contacted him after a few people finally tracked him down because he hadn't participated in the rules and emailing us at fantasy at alwaysmoto.com, once we finally tracked him down, he actually graciously foregoed the prize and we decided that we gave it to fifth place instead, which was awesome for Dobson 110. He's got the prize coming his way. It's been sent and shipped, which is awesome. Uh, so thanks to Ringmaster Images for that. And uh, they're actually a Bolt Everywhere glove, which so thanks for the help from those guys as well. And that's what prize we're going to have up this week is, for, is just the Bolt Everywhere glove. Uh, and so we spoke to Dobson uh, and he has recommended that we do seventh for this week. And that's a little honour to obviously AP's situation last week. So we're going to do seventh yep. in round 11 uh, and it'll be another pair of gloves, but this will just be the Bolt Everywhere gloves. Uh, so that'll be pretty nice. So trying to be getting seventh place this week, Benny. No, we'll be going for first. But yeah, good luck to uh, good luck and to anyone who gets seventh. Now let's uh, have a quick recap on our overall positions. Now I'm in twenty second after my shonky round. I've dropped down the leaderboard, but I've got two thousand two hundred ninety two points, and I'm still clear on yourself, mate. You're down in fifty third position in the league. Uh, and you're at 2,181 points. So you've definitely made up a few, but you're still not in it within the 100 yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the position at this point in the time. Yeah, well, I was in, I think, 47th last week, and that was 10, 10 positions up from the week before. And then we just dropped back a few this week. Uh, and that was even, you know, with a decent score of 230. So I think last week was a high... Uh, High points week for a lot of people. People scored well last week, which sort of then that me having a mediocre round sort of makes it difficult for me to stay up where I was. I was at 11th two weeks ago. I'm not anymore. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, high scoring week. So we lost a few, but uh, we'll we'll get back into it and we'll go again. But just uh, before we get into it, do you want to talk some RM fantasy? Because uh, there's a... There's quite a gap in there between you and I. Uh, I haven't looked at it, to be honest, to see what the score is. I'm hoping it's positive in my favour. So on the weekend, I got 115 points, which I think is the highest amount of points I've ever gotten. Uh, The only person I didn't get was fifth, I think, and I picked Anderson and it was Kenny. Uh, So I got 115 points and you got 43 so the overall score is 465 for me and 410 for you. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? The other other group I have on RM Fantasy is the exact same score, 465 to 410. Yeah, well, uh, so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk let's talk our teams from uh pulp fantasy for the always moto fantasy league for last week what was uh what was your team have you got that up or so i just lost my screen on that one actually yep Go for it. so your team? i had i had moseman on my team when we talked about the podcast on the podcast last week and he didn't race so i flicked between devon simonson and jack chambers uh, and I picked Simonson and got zero points. 
and Chambers did really well and got a big chunk of points, which could have helped me uh, get right up there, but that's all right. Um, I had Hunter for 26 and Cody Shock and Cullen Park both got me 36 points. Uh, they rode really well. They pretty much rode together the whole race, I think, um, just passing backwards and forwards and whatever. So that's that's good points from them. Uh, my 450 team, Anderson had that fall and didn't get me my full 26 points. So that's another little bit that I lost. Uh, Josh Cartwright got me 42, AC got me 30 points, uh, and Grant Harlan got me 34 points, nice. and Hunter got me 15 uh, first to the finish line points. Yeah, nice, awesome. Well, my my two my team, apart from those two riders that we just mentioned, Max Anstey and Kyle Chisholm, my rest of my team is really good. I had Michael Hicks at 46, Henry Miller at 38, Cody Shock at 36. So I had a really good 250 team, apart from Max Anstey, who only got the four. And then 450s, I had a Harlan at 34, Tomac with my max for 26 for the for the, um, for the uh, All-Star, and I had Starling with 32, and then obviously Chisholm with nine. So basically there, yeah, there's some shit points for two riders. So I basically had six and a half riders in the, in the, in the main event. So anyway, it is what it is. Hopefully I can get uh, eight solid ones this week. Well, going, going back to the Anderson pick, in our group chat, I had a very hot take and I said that Anderson was going to win the main event. And you said, well, pick him in fantasy. I had Barsha picked when we did the podcast last week and Barsha got me 26 points and Anderson didn't. So See, no, I shot myself, have... shot myself in the foot, but I stuck with what I said. I picked him. <laughs> I'm glad you followed through on these outrageous takes. So Anyway. <laughs> Let's go to this week's team for Seattle. Now, obviously, West Coast is back in action. Uh, so let's go 250s first, and I'll run through my team here. I've got it up. I'm going to go Pierce Brown at a minus two because I figure he's top five for sure. Uh, I'm going to pick Jet Lawrence because, well, why wouldn't you? Despite the fact he's a zero, I still think he's going to win. Um, I've got Hunter Yoder at a seven and Robbie Wageman at a five for my 250 team. And I've got in the 450s, uh, I'm going Adam Cincerulo at a zero, Justin Hill at a two, Josh Hill at a four, and I've picked Ken Roxon at a four because I feel like this track is going to be similar to the Indy track, and if he gets a reasonable start, we could see another podium for Kenny. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fair uh, fair call. All right, so jump to uh, the team, man. So two fifties, I've got Jet, uh, obviously. Uh, same as you, I've got Pierce Brown. I've got Mitchell Harrison, and I'm just waiting for this episode of the emergency department to come out to tell me whether I can pick Jerry Robin or not. <laughs> you want to pick Jerry? <laughs> yeah, well, he did well last time. He's got me the points. So I I did bag him out, but then I remembered it wasn't him. So, uh, <laughs> But like I said, I ne- I. At this point, I need to wait and see in the emergency department whether he's uh, whether he's good to go or not. Well, you'll have to keep listening. I'm not going to tell you now right here. I'll just leave you in, in suspense for a bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I like the fact that you've uh, had a go at somebody and it wasn't the right guy. That's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, what about 450s? Uh, I've got Christian Craig as my all-star. And then I've got Cade Clayson, uh John Short was very unlucky last week with that gate malfunction. Uh, he was already out in a qualifying position in the LCQ, and then they bought the 
bought the race back and he didn't qualify. So uh, we'll see how he goes with qualifying on Sunday. But um, I think with that 16, even if he gets in and, you know, gets the last few positions, there'll still be some good points there. Um, and at this point, I don't have a fourth person because I can't decide on who to put in. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So it's a qualifying situation for you to see who ends up being the four. So you'll have to watch out. You'll have to watch out for the contractors team uh, on the social platforms when we uh, get closer to lockout time. There. Now let's quickly run through on that too. If you're using, if you're going to post your team up, which we want you to do, part of the league. You've got to use that hashtag, always Moto Fantasy League, so that we can see it. And then there is a prize up for grabs for who's doing it the most. Now, we're getting a pretty close run in here for the guys from over at Three Kings Podcast and our mate Spratley, uh, Craig Spratley, is uh, going pretty hard on the tagging of the teams each week. So that's good. We, we might end up having to do a couple of prizes here because they're pretty much top, neck and neck on the, on the count at this stage. Um, and then also our... Our Fantasy League sponsors, obviously we had Ringmaster Images. That prize went out last week. We've got Bolt Everywhere that's doing prize this week. But we've also got, we're going to have some uh, overall prizes from Coastal Motorcycle Centre. Next week's prize is going to come from Goat, Goat Brand MX. And then some overall prizes from Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, uh, and Helltech Australia as well. So really big thank you to those guys for supporting the Fantasy League here for Always Moto, which is awesome. Now let's, uh, while Benny's on the line, we're going to go into a Dave's diatribe and this one's got nothing to do with moto and I just ha- want to have a whinge about something. I, f- I feel like I, it's necessary and I feel like mo- lots of the Australians are going to understand what I'm talking about here. So let's uh, make sure I hit the right drop here. This is Dave's diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be could be next, and Benny, it might be you if you you are uh, you keep beating me in fantasy. But let's uh, let's move on from fantasy. Who have you? You you got Maccas down there, surely? Like in in Griffith. Yep, yep. We've got um, yep. We've got McDonald's here, and apparently we're about to get another one. So I don't oh. know why, because we're we're not big enough for two, but apparently they think we are. So well, yeah, enough. we might have two soon. Yeah, look, it's it's a Macca's thing. They just seem to overload you in the in Australia. They're, they're everywhere. They just want to take up realty so nobody else can move in. I think, but I don't know about you, but every time I go through drive-through, something stuffs up, and no matter how hard I try to actually you know check the order. You know, make sure that there's a, the, the right things in the right packet or, you know, that there's, there's a full cup. It never seems to fail, all right? There's always something wrong. Now, I used their app this week, right, to get a free chai latte. Now, so you're going to see, find out a bit about me. I don't drink coffee, right? I don't drink it at all. But I like the chai lattes from Macca's once in a while, right? It's the only thing that I get from there very, very, very rarely, right? But... So it's a freebie, right? It's on the point system. Kids obviously eat it. They love the bloody um, McCappy meals and shit so that we get it when we're traveling for them. It's easy, right? So I've got plenty of points. So I go, to, oh, so sweet. Between a job, I'll, I'll um, get a drive-through, right? Go through, get the thing, feel the cup, put it in the thing. Yep, sweet. S- smells all right. Smells like it's the right one because plenty of times I've gotten a coffee from, like a drink from there and it's, not, it's a coffee and I'm like, for fuck's sake, because I'm driving out, I can't drink this and chuck it out the window. But I get partway down the road and think, all right, I'm going to have a swig. Pick it up. Feels a bit light. Open the cup. Fucking thing's half full. <laughs> half fucking oh, full. Dear. It's a large cup 
And when they handed it to me, I mustn't have noticed it at the time. But when I picked it up out of the bloody out of the cup holder, I freaking noticed it then. It was half full. Bloody cheap skates. And then, not to mention, the whole thing was basically milk, which it's not supposed to be. And the milk was burnt. It was so fucking hot, I couldn't barely touch it. Well, it was free. I don't care. That's not the point. I earned that free thing. It shouldn't be a piece of shit. <laughs> no, you are right. The amount of times uh, you go to a drive-thru uh, anywhere, you go on holidays, you're in your own, you're in your own town, uh, it doesn't matter. You, someone always makes a mistake uh, and it's, you know, it happens, but it happens more than it, it should. Well, so, it seems to happen um, to me a lot because I've got a good story that I tell from, from a while back now. But we were in a rush one day to go to a concert a few years back and we went to a pretty big one um, on the M4 in Sydney and, you know, rushed through. All right, we're ordering nuggets, chips, just so you can eat it in the car as you're going to the, to the concert in Homebush. Pull out the driveway back on the M4. Right, let's get into the food. All we had in the bag was a fucking packet of chips. Wow. And I was fucking fuming because I was starving at that point. You know what it's like. You're in a rush. You're trying to get ready before you leave. It's right at dinner time. You think, right, I'll get it on the road. I won't have anything. So you're hungry as hell by the time you get to that point. And then you order it and you're like, sweet, I've got these nuggets coming. I'm so starving. And you open the bag and there's nothing fucking in it. It's just heartbreaking. <laughs> and I want to go and beat yep. up some 12-year-old kid who's working the, the drive through So, you know. Yep, that's right. Anyway, look, it's probably probably something everybody's heard before, but it, it just it pissed me off this week enough that I thought I had to bring it up. So anyway, that's Dave's diatribe for this week. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. Well, let's... Yeah, um, no, it's, that's, that's, that's fair enough. I'll uh, we'll give you that. Yeah, right. Okay, thank you. All right, well, let's take a quick break here on the show. We're going to come back after the break with the emergency department that I know the contractor is now dying to hear because he wants to know what's happening with Jerry Robbins. So I better make sure I put that update in there right at the end and just quietly so he can't hear it when he's listening back later on. But, uh, yeah, let's take a quick break on the Always Motor podcast. My name is Julian Benick. I'm number 500 for the AMA Supercross Series, and you're listening to the Always Motor podcast. All right, let's jump into this emergency department list here on the Always Moto Podcast, episode 54. The emergency department, all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. I say it every week and you still don't listen to me. You don't want to be on the list. But unfortunately, injuries happen in our sport and that's why we have the hashtag injuries are a part of moto because these guys keep getting injured and keep ending up on this emergency department list, unfortunately. So let's run through the things from Detroit and heading into Seattle uh, and even just some extra bits and pieces that we've seen along the way for guys that are still recovering in the background there as well. So let's do those ones first. Things to note. We've noticed on some of the vlogs for Austin Faulkner that he says to, seems to be thinking he's progressing really well from his ACL repair. Uh, he has his 10-week post-op uh, visit with his specialist coming up next week, which is awesome. But if you watch a lot of his vlogs, vlogs which I've been doing a bit recently they just seem to keep popping up in those youtube suggestions for me uh he has had still having some issues with wandering around when he's going through the airport with his partner there trying to keep up with the walking and stuff he's not 
doing as well as I think he thinks he is doing. Uh, and at least from a point of view of like a release and return to writing, I don't think that's happening too soon. The expectation is usually five to six months for that. Uh, so at this stage, I feel he's still on track, but things might change when obviously I'm not seeing him in person. Uh, but I dare say this 10 week review will be a release for him to be start doing things like more body weight exercises, maybe even running, maybe even cycling. Uh, so we have to see how that progresses for Austin. So keep an eye on his vlogs. I'm sure you'll see more about it over the next coming weeks as to where he gets up to and what he's allowed to do with uh, this next review. So be interesting to see if that's part of the next vlog or not for him. Michael Moseman was out again in Detroit uh, and the team update did come through on that day of the event, which I mentioned to you guys last guys and girls last week on the podcast that they were very slack in terms of Moseman and the team in putting out those details for him. Uh, he's just not that sort of person with the information on, on the socials, it seems, or even just in direct contact when we try and touch, touch base with the team. Nobody gets back to us from that side of things. But they have indicated that he'll hope to be back for Atlanta, which is in about three weeks' time. So he should be f- fully fit, ready to go by that point. Bubba Pauly was released from hospital on the race day last week, which is awesome to see. So hopefully that t- tip of his thumb can continue to heal and it stays in place and doesn't die off, which is the, the risk for Bubba at this point. So hopefully good good stories from him coming in the near future. We'll have to keep an eye on how things go with Bubba. We might even try and get him on the podcast again. We had him on last year um, when he had all those ACL issues, but we'll, we'll see how this goes for him and we'll chat to him soon. Rider D. Francesco is back on the bike after his thumb avulsion fracture. Now, interestingly, I noticed that that um, post about his injury has been taken down, uh, but he's definitely back on the bike as of uh, earlier this month. So uh, good things looking there for him in terms of the recovery. He should be all ready to go come outdoors, which was the expected plan for him at this stage. Not clear on whether he's out or back or where things are up to, but I noticed that Tristan Lane um, put up a post. He's had a few bumps and bruises this season. Also dealt with shingles earlier in the year. He had that uh, hit neutral off the triple and did his sprained his ankle. Uh, he's been recovering from that most recently. That was, I believe, Arlington. Uh, but the most recent thing that he's mentioned that he's been dealing with is Epstein-Barr, which is an interesting one for me because normally those diagnoses we see for Epstein-Barr come during the outdoor season when it's hot, long motos, long days at the test track or practice track, I should say. Not usually during Supercross in the middle of winter uh, when things are cooler and they're doing shorter rides. So interesting that that's popped up for him. He's obviously doing a lot of training um, and maybe he's just a lot run down with these injuries and the shingles, then that probably would make a lot of sense, actually. The shingles would take a lot out of him, and maybe he's still fighting that off as well. So uh, just interesting to see when he does actually come back, how he'll be doing. But, yeah, interesting to note there. Corey Carsten is back on the bike this week after his collarbone surgery about five, six weeks ago. He's on track to be back for Atlanta, which is awesome. So he'll be back for those East Coast rounds, and he was talking to us earlier about his uh, but he definitely wanted to be back for East Rutherford because that's a hometown race for him. So he's on track for that, which is awesome. Let's move on to the injuries from Detroit. Uh, unfortunately, Scott Meshu, who we had on the podcast earlier this year uh, on press day in Detroit, managed to overjump a triple and has broken his tibial malleolus, which for anyone who doesn't realize what that is, as much as it's your tibia, yes, it's not like you're broken in the midshaft. It's the actual bump on the inside of your angle. That's what we call the malleolus. There's the tibial and the fibial malleolus, lateral and medial, inside and outside. So he's done the inside one, uh, which is the tibial malleolus, and it's just cracked the end of it off. So he'll be about a six to eight week recovery time frame for that, and we'll probably miss the rest of Supercross with that injury, unfortunately. Alex Ray is out again. 
as much as he was back from that thumb uh, surgery that he had done, he's managed to overjump a jump and somehow managed to break his ring finger on his left hand. Now, he's already had surgery from the same guys that did his thumb, but he's going to be out for probably six weeks this time. He probably won't be coming back earlier because I believe that will all be too many hand things for him. With his dodgy wrists, he will have absolutely no grip strength, and he was talking about this being his final year, so I don't know if he's going to rush it back to get one in or something like that, or if he might even just play it one more year. We'll have to see how that ball plays out for Alex. But yeah, rough go for him recently. Came back early from the thumb to only have a finger fracture. So yeah, rough go. Robert Haley, a privateer on a Yamaha in Detroit, managed to dislocate his shoulder uh, and is out of action for the time being. But he has indicated that he will hope to be back for the next round of at Atlanta. Uh, it's the first time it's happened. It's his right shoulder. Uh, he's hoping just to be able to do the rehab, which for most people can do. Uh, quite well and have good results to be stable. But if he's torn anything major in his labrum or anything else as it's come out, that could be a surgery requirement. But a lot of in a lot of cases, they will try and ride, get through it for a week or so, and then have another crash and then unfortunately end up in surgery. So let's hope that's not the case for Robert. But he's uh, looking okay at this stage from the chat we've had with him briefly over Instagram. Uh, Brendan Ray, number 338, had a massive case in a in um, the Arena Cross series recently. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on the Arena Cross USA page. It's a massive case. He comes up very short. Uh, unfortunately, he's missed the wrong gear or something as he's come out of the corner or he's in the wrong gear as he came out of the corner and just came up short. Um, surprising, he's only, from his report, he's only sprained his ankle, which I don't know how he's managed to only sprain his ankle. I would think that that's a high ankle sprain and that's going to be a bit longer than just a normal lateral ankle sprain. High ankle is your syndesmosis, which is the, the ligament that cross crisscrosses between your tibia and your fibula to hold them together. So when you do a high ankle sprain, you force the actual foot up into the in between those two bones because those two bones sit over the top of your talus. Oh, because of good lightning in the background, if you heard that in my place. There's some weather happening around here um, or thunder. But um, yeah, so that talus gets forced up between the tibia and the fibula and stretches the syndesmosis and then it obviously doesn't like that. So um, depending on how bad that is, he might actually need some surgery down the track as well. But um, hopefully he, was, he looked like he was in some Alpine stars. So hopefully the boots held him together well and maybe he does get away with just a sprained ankle. But he's going to be sitting out Seattle uh, and he hopes to be back for Glendale. Now, some interesting ones making some returns this week. And uh, this is where the contractor was waiting for some information for us for his fantasy picks. Carson Mumford is finally back. Yes, that's right. He is back. He did have that wrist fracture in late uh, November, December, wherever that was, um, that he's recovered from. And another thunderclap. Um, And he then got on that PC ride, but then managed to have a calf injury. And he's been off for a few weeks with that. But he has been back on the bike for a week or so, and this will be his first race on the Pro Circuit bike. So uh, good luck for Mumford. Hopefully we can um, get him on here shortly to talk about his rough season. But uh, at least he's back finally. Jerry Robin looks to be back as well this weekend. He did have that bent plate removed from his hand about six weeks ago, and he's been back on the bike for about a week. Um, but again, I'm not sure how his fitness will be at this stage, but he is riding, so that's great. Um, the injury itself won't be an issue. It was only just removal of some screws and plates out of his hand, um, but it'll be more so a case of whether his fitness is up to scratch for 15 plus one. 
not really returns as such. They were at the last rounds. They just got injured. And obviously with the West Coast having a nice big break, they haven't had to worry too much about it. But just some notables there. Derek Kelly will be ready to go. He crashed out at Oakland in the whoops and just got a bit banged up. But he's been riding pretty much from two to three days after that uh, Oakland race. So he's fine. Uh, Cole Thompson missed the uh, Daytona. He was going to ride that on a 450. Um, but he managed to have a crash during the week that just saw him out for a few few days, a few weeks there. But he's back for this week as well. And Dominic Thurry should be back as well. He had a concussion in Oakland in practice. He should be ready to go for Seattle this week as well. Now, no confirmations on Colt Nichols as to whether he is back or not. Uh, he sat out again in Detroit, so that's now three races in a row that he was off for. Now, if everyone uh, who listens to Pulp MX uh, heard the Pulp show this week, uh, Lars was on, his team manager, and he was very non-committal about whether he would be at the uh, Colt would be racing this week or not. But then not long afterwards, we see that Colt's put up a riding video from this week as well. So... I don't know. You'll probably know when he rolls out on track tomorrow on Saturday uh, as to whether he is or he isn't. And that comes to another one for Dylan Ferrand, a similar situation. Uh, obviously had that massive concussion. Or I shouldn't say massive. He had a concussion in in uh, Houston. He then had that big crash, and I can say big for that one because that was a big crash in Daytona on press day, and he's out. He is going through a three-week process, um, which he said he's about a uh, six-week program, which he's about three weeks into. Now, I wonder if that's something like that neurology functional neurology center that we spoke about with Devin Simonson on the podcast a few weeks back. That's a you know a few week program. I wonder if he's doing something like that, or if it's just something else. Maybe he did in fact injure something in that Daytona crash, and it's unrelated to the concussion from Houston. We don't know. We don't have any information from either of them. Um, the team is lousy on passing out that information, and Dylan uh, also no response from him either. So. That's where we're up to with those two at this stage. But again, this leads us into our normal concussion discussion sort of stuff where these guys are dodging the concussion pro- protocol by not reporting, not going and seeing the um, Alpine Star medical crew on the day at the time. Um, you know, So it's just a bit of a schmozzle. I really believe that there should be a review process in place that anyone, some independent person is checking these guys for these head knocks and not relying on the team bringing them or or in fact them being so bad that they have to be attended to on the track to then end up being on the protocol. There should just be a guy reviewing the, the, the sessions um, and the races and saying, look, this guy fell off, hit his head. Let's get him to do the protocol check. And if he passes it, great, he's clear. If he doesn't pass it at a certain percentage of the expected, then he goes on to protocol for this week. I'd really like to see something like that come into place, but we'll have to wait and hopefully get some um, review on that maybe at the end of the year but when some new rules can potentially be put in place for the following season. Now, lastly, on our emergency department list this week is Addison Emery. He's from the privateer paddock. Uh, he rides at Yamaha. He had a work, a day job issue. He had a hand laceration during his day job after one of the rounds and he's been missing he was going to do some 450 east coast race but he's been missing out on those he is back this week he was meant to be doing 250s but he tells me today that he's comfortable on his 450 and he'll be sticking with that for the rest of the season and he's also going to be doing a special race in china of all places uh after the season is done so the final rounds in salt lake the following week apparently is a invitational international race in china so Interesting to see how that one goes, and I'm sure that might be something that is somehow linked to the WSX and whether that 
event goes well, maybe they'll end up with a Chinese round in the future years of WSX. We'll have to wait and see. And maybe Adam Bailey can uh, give us the insight on that at some point. But uh, yeah, interesting to hear that one from Addison today. So welcome back, Addison, for this round. And uh, yeah, well done on getting the invite to the Chinese round. All right, that is the emergency department for this week. Uh, our interview this week is with... Dun, da, da, da. It's Devin Harriman who's joined us on the podcast this week, which is awesome. Uh, we get to catch up with him about his leg fracture from Arlington. So stick around for that. It's later in the show. Let's take a quick break on the Always Moto podcast. It's Lorenzo Lacurcio. You're listening to the Always Moto podcast. Lorenzo Lacurcio aquí. Estamos en el Always Moto podcast. Escúchalo. Welcome back to the Always Moto Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. This week's weekly product inspection highlight is brought to you by Steg Pegs. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a Steg Peg is, you're about to find out. It's a very interesting little device that goes onto your bike uh, to help you hold on with your legs more. Now, it's an unmatched in off-road motorcycle control. The Steg Pegs allows you to grip and control with your legs, not just your arms, and it's immense control reduces arm pump and fatigue of your hands and forearms, which is awesome because obviously a lot of you out there will hold on way too much. You'll do that death grip with your hands. So these steg pegs let you grip the bike with your legs way better. They attach down near the airbox onto your subframe areas of the bike uh, and allow you to basically have these little rubber knobs that sit out just off your plastics and let your feet catch into those areas and it basically hooks in behind your calves and it helps hold you onto it gives you a different grip point on your bike so obviously your bike area on the side plastics is usually smooth you might see guys put on like grip tape on those areas these are just that next level up the grip tape obviously you can still slide past and if there's mud that gets onto those it can impact your ability to grip those the steg pegs not so much it's a physical barrier that sticks out so you've got something to grip onto a lot lot easier now, many of you might not know these still about them or that anybody actually uses them, but even AMA pro rider Levi Kitchen from Star Racing Yamaha had them on his bike last year during the outdoors and it was a bit of a kerfuffle. Not many people knew what they were or who they were, but they're a little known Australian company. Uh, and look, they have some different applications. Many people, myself included, would use them more for higher speed type events like Hadar and Fink where you're going through like sand whoops at a lot higher speed and it's harder to hold on with just your hands. And obviously those steg pegs then become really vital to you gripping the bike and controlling the bike at those higher speeds. It basically like i said just let you let lock in on the bike and take the pressure off your hands um for me when i'm using these pegs i'm generally not using them on shorter technical more you know tracks um as a as a little bit i'm not overly tall but i seem to have a decent leg length and when i'm on those tighter tracks i like to get back a bit further and i've had times where i've got caught behind them but i so i don't generally tend to use them on those sort of like enduro cross tracks that i might do um, but on a high-speed motocross track uh, or those desert races like at Hadar when I've been there, um, which is where I got my injury, um, I've used these to, to good effect. Now, for my wife who's shorter of stature um, and anyone, just general shorter stature um, or doesn't have that same leg length, would find these a lot a lot more useful in a lot more situations so my wife runs them 24 7 on her bike she's found that basically that ability to lock in on the bike and grip it better takes away some of the need for her to have as much strength in her hands which obviously for so females compared to males unfortunately physiology doesn't work out for you in that sense usually 
Uh, and, and this just helps you even the playing field and, and control your bike as good as possible. Now, these things are a fantastic idea. They're simple to use. A couple of bolts, you change a couple of bolts on your subframe. They come with some U-bolts that you bolt onto your frame. Um, depending on the type of bike, I'm talking about the Austrian bikes here, the KDMs, the Gas Gas, the Huskies, that's how they work for those ones. I know that because that's the ones I've used them on previously. Um, we've just recently got a set for our Gas Gas that's uh, 350F. It's going to be getting some, some parts here on it all shortly, and you'll see it on our social media pages here very soon as well. Um, but for those gas gas bikes just an example price range are $179 but check out the Steg Pegs website uh, it is uh, stegsmoto.com.au uh, uh, so be sure to check them out but they'll be in the show note links as well and if you're listening to this or reading this it'll be in our links on our bio or in the show in the notes of the YouTube video so check those out guys and girls but these Steg Pegs worth having um, you can put double rubbers on them to make them stand out a bit further. The desert guys like to modify them and make them even wider than that. I don't think that's generally a good idea because there's a bigger area to punch a hole in your leg when you fall off. But the two rubbers work really nicely. Just gives you a little bit more grip with the boots to hold onto them. Um, but that's all just a normal modification. You can buy the extra rubbers through Stegs. Uh, and you can yeah, make these come on the bike and give your hands a little bit of a rest when you're racing. It's a great idea. Um, so that's our product inspection highlight for the week. It's Steg Pegs. Um, so check them out. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. We'll be back shortly after this break. Hey, this is Addison Emery. I'm riding for the Somnium Race Team, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, joining us on the Always Moto Podcast this week, uh, he's had a decent injury a couple of rounds back at Arlington. It's the number 97, Devin Harriman. How are we doing, Devin? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing well, man. Um, I probably sound like I'm on repeat for the listeners at this point, but it's always a tough time when I uh, get to contact you guys at this stage post-injury and and things are a bit rough for you guys, but we always appreciate you making some time for us here on the show. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, we all run a crazy schedule, so getting a hold of everybody's not the easiest thing to do nowadays no but like you guys obviously you know potentially you're on the couch post-surgery at this point and maybe don't want to talk about these things but it's nice that you, you can actually you know pass on some information about where you're up to so obviously everybody's knows that you've had the injury but sometimes you disappear into the abyss in this period while you're rehabbing and we just like to keep a check on these these things and, and give some information to the fans out there that are wanting to know what's happening with you so yeah appreciate your time so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as most of you guys know, I uh, ended up having a compound fracture on my tib and fib um, a couple weeks ago in Arlington. Uh, yesterday, Sunday, was three weeks from post-surgery. So had my two-week checkup last week and uh, flew back out to Arlington for that. And everything's looking good um, in my eyes. And everybody I've showed the photo to, the bone looks like it's, both bones are healing quite quite well, honestly. Um, they ended up putting a rod through my tib mm -hmm. and screw and a screw on the top and two screws on the bottom. They, uh, hammered that down through my kneecap. So not through my kneecap, but from my knee. Um, and then nothing for the fibula. They said, because that's a non weight bearing thing. It didn't really need too much. Just kind of put everything back into place and let us do its healing. And honestly, from the x-rays that I have, um, you would have never known it was kind of shattered from begin with, from the beginning. So fibula is usually pretty good. Goes, it's it's a like you said, non weight bearing bone. So it, it just sort of sorts itself out. It's amazing how that that one happens. But the tibia obviously is a different story. So yeah, 
Yeah, no, the, the tibula, like I said, I mean, that was sticking out of the skin and they kind of had to reset that one. So that was a little bit more of a, a hassle. But the fibula, yeah, like like you said, you know, it kind of works itself back into place. And um, I think here in, you know, a couple, two months, three months, or obviously probably a little bit more, the more time the better, but it's going to look like nothing kind of happened and maybe just a little bit, a little bit of a break. But no, everything's good. They gave me, um, they said last week that I could walk 25% weight on it. And nice. this week's yep. 50. So that's, that's pretty good. That's early movement, which is nice. Um, how does it feel when you're up and about on it? Does it feel a bit awkward? Uh, yeah, I have a, I mean, you, you saw, yes, I've seen your stuff, you know, pretty, you're pretty familiar with the medical stuff. I guess I had, I had like a stress blister on okay. the inside of my foot. Um, like kind of right there, right above my heel or right, right above my arch. Um, and I have a lot of like, uh, just when I stand up and like I'm on it, it just hurts that, that like right my arch is, uh, support pretty, pretty bad. Like feels like I'm standing on a tennis ball, but like almost feels better than on a tennis ball the whole time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, like I said, you know, everything, they gave me 50%, I'm at 50% this week and next week, 75 and then week four, I'm at a hundred percent. But, um, I mean, you know how us motocross racers are, right? Like we don't listen to the doctors. So, uh, <laughs> common theme for I've, all of us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in fact, I don't even know where my crutches are at right now. <laughs> I don't know if they're down there or um, where they're at. But when I walk to the bathroom or you know walk around the house, I kind of don't use the crutches, but I don't. You know, I try to use them as much as possible. But when it's around the house, it's kind of just easier not to. Um, just especially when I'm carrying things. So, uh, honestly, the, the bones and everything feels really good. It's just the, the muscles and the tendons and the nerves and everything. That's, that's, what's really bothering me. Um, how's the actual site on the skin where the bone came through? Like, obviously for those that don't realize a compound fracture means that the, the bone comes out of the skin. So how's that site? Is it all settled down? Cause usually it can be a bit sensitive too. Yeah, no, that's sensitive. Um, it came out right above like the ankle bone, like three or four inches above that. Yep. And it's still like, I don't have a whole lot of feeling there. And I, I've never done anything down, but like I blew my knee out in 2016 completely. Other than that, I've never done anything. <clears throat> I've never broken anything downstairs. So I don't know like how the healing or I don't know what to do or anything like that, you know? So, um, yeah, no, the, the incision where it came out is like, kind of raised up a little bit i'm like yep. oh man that's gonna leave an ugly scar and i for some reason i kilo scar pretty bad um anywhere i've had surgery or had like a pretty bad wound so that one i think is going to be pretty gnarly but over time i think it'll kind of mellow itself out and everything so are you doing anything for the scar management yet like and i, I i'm from a little bit of personal experience as well i've obviously motor rider and broken plenty of things myself recently um the scars with that with that weird keloid formation are you doing any like um massage on it one but two are you putting any um they use like these silicon creams and stuff to to pop onto them to to help prevent laying down of more scar tissue are you doing stuff like that yet or is it still a bit fresh for that side of things no i mean i still have those little butterfly things like the little straps things that they put on after okay. they put the pull the staples out you know yeah bit, bit fresh. Um, i could probably yeah, it's still a bit fresh. I mean, they just pulled staples out last week. Um, and in my eyes, I was, I thought, I was like, geez, that's pretty early. Because um, everything's still pretty scabbed over. 
you know, it's again, we're three weeks out right now. So, um, no, but I mean, even all my other surgeries and everything, I've never, I got a gnarly scar on my arm that looks like, like a worms. It literally looks like a worm and everybody, everybody thinks it's surgery and it's not it just, it happened on a jet ski. I don't ever do any cream for like scars or anything. I don't care. It's, it's all part of it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it just makes it feel a bit nicer when you uh, rub your arm or your leg or whatever, wherever it is that it it feels a bit flatter, you know. So I've I've yeah. got some rough ones on the belly at the minute from a from losing a spleen and and it uh, yeah it it feels a bit odd when they when it's all raised up. The ones on the other parts of the body, they're nice and flat, and I, I prefer those ones when I feel them myself. Yeah, no, I don't care. It's all like I said, it's all part of it. And- at this point it is what it is yeah. you know what i mean yeah it's it's part of it if you're going to do moto you got to get used to having a scar or two on the body so yeah exactly yep so now that rod that they've popped into your into your tibia and this is a bit of an interesting question because everyone sort of gives me a different response and i know what i prefer on it but are, are they leaving that in for you or is there a plan to take that out in a couple of months or, or what's the what have they said to you about it at this stage as far as i know the rod's staying in Okay. Um, again, I mean, I was pretty drugged up, obviously, uh, when I was talking to the doctor last um, about it. I didn't, I didn't ask him. There's a couple things I forgot when I had my two week checkup. Um, that was one of the questions that I did forget. Was is the rod staying in? Mm-hmm. Uh, along with like, uh, you know, can I get a handicap pass and stuff like that? <laughs> Yeah. just for the next uh, two weeks doc i just want to be able to get to my my, med, my meds quicker at the front of the pharmacy <laughs> yeah you know so just stuff like that i, I just forgot a couple of questions like that but yeah um no for the part, like i said i believe that it's staying in everything's staying in all the hardware staying in which i'm completely okay with um you know it's i'm i think in my head hey it just makes the bone stronger you know it, it does it does let it does the start with it's just more a case i find with with the like you guys at that more pro level that you don't have the time to you know do the another surgery once you've basically done your recovery to then have another surgery to take it out and have another four to six weeks you know of rehab again that you don't sort of tend to have that time and and it and, but some people just look at it and go no it's coming out you know it, it's got to come out because it might it might be in the way or something later on you know it might sort of shift down but that's what the, the locating screws at the top and the bottom are for but but yeah, it's just always interesting to ask that one as to whether you've got an opinion on it straight away or, or you've been told it's got to come out or whatever. So yeah, it's interesting to hear that from yourself. Yeah, no, like I said, as of right now, it's going to stay in. And uh, with me being 28 now, I don't have a whole lot of time left. Um, so for me to go waste, like you said, another four to six weeks of recovering time and therapy, yeah, uh, wasting valuable time, you know, so and I don't, don't care to do that. I don't care to be laid up. I got ADHD and <laughs> summer, do something. Summer's summer's coming and my jet ski's ready. So, nice. um, yeah, you know we're we're gonna make sure that we can get back, you know, to active as soon as possible. So on that, then what what time frame have they said to you? Like, obviously, you talked about the the weight bearing with the walkings over the you know pro- progressing week by week at the moment. But when have they said to you, right, this is when we expect you'll be able to be back at, you know, full capacity sort of thing? Is it three months down the track or what, what time frame they, did they give you? Honestly, I have no idea. You might have a better idea than I do. 
Um, I've never, like, again, I've never done anything with my leg or anything like that. So yeah. I have no idea. Uh, doctors, obviously they always say four to six weeks or six to eight weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's more so kind of to cover their butt on their end. <laughs> it definitely is. Yep. Uh, you know, which I understand. I get it. Everybody's got their own thing to, you know, they got to worry about. So, um, I don't know. Uh, right now I'm in, I'm still in Texas. Um, I have my van's going to hopefully be done tomorrow. That ended up breaking down the night after literally the day I tried to leave the hospital. Oh no. Um, bro- yeah. So when that broke down, it went in and then I came back out for my two week checkup and, uh, I was, I'm just gonna, I go back to California Saturday and I should have a, um, I got a doctor, uh, Doctor Nas, all lined up. I'm gonna hopefully go see him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's big into motocross. A lot. He's a lot of moto dudes go work with him. He's got a lot of jerseys on the wall and everything like that. Yeah. So he knows, he, the, knows the sport. That's good. Yeah, exactly. He used to race himself, so he knows what he knows what I got going. He knows this is my living, so um, he's gonna give me a lot better of a idea on what my turnaround's gonna be. I talked to my my trainer Robbie Rainer. Mm-hmm. Um, he said. He said at you know six to eight weeks you should be good, you know. So yeah. we'll see. You, you should be sort game. of um like at least you know doing gym and cycling and all that sort of stuff at that six eight week mark, and then it's you know normally normally twelve is you you're fine. You know you'd be on the bike training, you know doing normal stuff, but it's all just dependent on how you feel and how everything progresses in the next sort of two to three weeks because. You haven't started fully walking yet. You go. You haven't figured out if there's a different problem. At, you know, once you've fully loaded it yet. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I got one hell of a pimp limp right now. So <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly That's fashionable good. either. So yeah, you want to get rid of that as quick as no. you can. Exactly. Oh, awesome. So what are the plans then? If you if everything goes goes well, right, and say say at twelve weeks, which would be put us basically the end of April. If everything's going well, what's the plans for you with racing? Are, are we are we aiming to hit up round one of the outdoors, or are we looking somewhere else for the time being? What's what's the thoughts at this stage with everything for you? Oh man, um, <laughs> hard question. Sorry, mate. I mean, honestly, like obviously, number one priority is get healthy again, right? Yes. Yep. So if I get, the sooner I get healthy, the the better off I'm going to be, and the the more. Uh, uh, reasonable like answer I could give you. Obviously, like goal is yeah, it'd be sick to go do outdoors the first first two rounds like I did last year. But um, I didn't have the best of luck this year for Supercross. Like I just struggled all year. So um, with me not gonna have a whole lot of time on the bike, I don't see that happening. You know, say so for let's look at the calendar really quick. Yeah, but eight weeks puts me. You know, four, five, six, seven, April 17th. Yeah. Or yeah. April 6th. That's eight weeks. And that, that's a month to get ready for outdoors. Just, yeah. And most about people, five weeks at that point. Because outdoors starts the last, I think it's the last weekend in May. Yeah. And in most people's eyes, yeah, that's enough, right? Yep. Enough time to get ready and get. And absolutely, but not when you have zero time 
on a big bike. Like I haven't rode a 450 or I don't have a 450. I haven't rode my 350 since I got hurt. Right. And I only rode that three times yeah. beforehand. And I have, I've never, it's all new bike. Um, so 23. So it's like, I have no suspension settings. I have nothing. You know what I mean? I don't, mm. so there's just, I have zero testing or anything like that. So trying to rush it, uh, just, I don't think it'd be ideal, you know, coming back from an injury, trying to rush to, to get ready to go race the first two outdoors, you know, yeah. where there's 90 dudes. Like, <laughs> why would I don't, I don't see that feasible for myself to go out there and do that to myself. So I will, uh, probably just head back to Cali, relax. I'm going to end up going to, it's called stagecoach, a big country music festival here in the States Oh, nice! in yep. Southern California. Do that on, uh, the end of April. And then by that time, hopefully be back on a bike and, and head back up to Washington yep. and just, uh, train some kids and, and, you know, just ride and do some local stuff. Yeah. Right. Oh, well look, yeah. It's probably a good plan that you're not trying to rush for those first two rounds. Cause it, yeah, that's where things can go a little bit astray. If you're trying to put too much pressure on yourself and leads to the second injury that sort of really definitely ends the season for you. So yeah, look, don't, don't yeah. rush it, take your time and make sure the leg is a hundred percent before you're doing anything. And, and obviously that goes with the part, like you're saying about the, the bike settings, you don't have any of that stuff. So, you know, make sure you're comfortable before you do it on that side of things too. So. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, it's just, and I've never been a huge outdoor fan. So for me to rush, to hurry up, to go do something that I don't really care to do, nah, just not, not the smartest thing. So No, definitely. Well, look, ideally, ideally you just get that leg fully fixed up and, and then you can uh, maybe look up. Maybe the next time everybody sees you properly and 100% is, is Supercross in 20, what is it, 24. Um, you know, maybe that's the best bet for you. But see how it all works out, I guess. Or, or is there even something like, you know, everyone seems to be throwing around World Supercross things at these points in times, but that might be too soon as well. We'll see how it works out. I mean, I would love to, to get on the World Supercross thing, right? But... I don't think that's as easy to get on as everybody thinks. No, it um, seems like everybody's interested in it this year all of a sudden. So there's probably not as many rides available as there was last year when, when they were trying to find people. But um, everybody seems to be bringing it up recently. Yeah. No, like it's, it's – and with it being still new, you know what I mean? Like not everybody knows the teams and who's got a team, you know, stuff like that. So it's just hard to get in contact with stuff like that. So – yeah, I mean, if, it would be nice, obviously, to get in World Supercross or even uh, any Supercross, honestly. Like, I'm down to go race wherever, anywhere. Um, I actually just messaged uh, a Euro team last night, a KTM team, mm-hmm. um, about some Australian Supercross stuff. I'd love to get over there and race some Supercross over there. just going to say, the Aussie stuff happens in, uh, like, it's October, November. So, yeah, you need to hit up a couple of the Aussie teams, mate, and see if you can get it, come out here and have a ride. That would be pretty cool. Oh. Uh, I'd be so pumped on that. If I could do that, that'd be sick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care so much about uh, outdoors. I mean, I don't care at all, really. Um, I might do Washougal Nationals just because that's at home, right? Yeah. But other easy, than that, I, yeah, I don't. I, you probably won't see me at any of them. And honestly, you might not even see me at Washougal just because it costs so much to go racing for such little pay. I mean, you guys, I'm sure most people saw last weekend. Um, Ansi said he got fifth place at the gnarliest outdoor track that we have here in the States. Yeah. And he made, he made $1,500. Like, (laughs) 
Yeah. It's just not, he went five, five for 1500. Like that, how does that make any sense? Right. So yeah, it doesn't add up at all. Definitely better off on the supercross side of things. And and if you can travel the world and see something cool at the same time, why not? Right. Exactly. And like I said, I'd love to do something like that. So the opportunity arises, I'll be there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, look, you have to um have to f- check out the Aussie teams, mate. Maybe we can send you a couple of messages after this and tell you which teams to to, to target. But um, yeah, look, that'd be pretty cool if that works out for you. But look, the main thing is that that leg gets healed up, and sounds like you're doing okay at the moment, which is awesome. So you know, it's a it's good ch- good time to check in and make sure that things have been going okay. And I'm sure everyone will appreciate hearing from you because it was a nasty injury that you know for you that came out of Ar- that Arlington round there a couple of weeks ago. So it's good to good to check in on you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys reaching out and everything. So, no, all good. Well, look, it's always thanks. good to hop. Yeah, look, thanks for your time on the uh, Always Motor podcast, mate. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Hey, I'm Luke Neese, riding for the SGB Honda team, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around, guys and girls. Thanks for listening to that interview there with Devin Harriman. It's great to catch up with him and uh, find out a little bit about what's happening with his injury after that big leg compound fracture that he talked about uh, from the Arlington round there. It's been a little bit quiet from his side of things, but it's nice to hear everything's on track and he'll be looking to get back on the bike here in the next few weeks, probably just all dependent on, as we talked about in that episode, just a few things there that he needs to check off along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, good to hear from Devon and awesome for these guys. I say it all the time, but it's awesome that all of these people that have been on our show to talk about their injuries are making time for the Always Moto podcast. It's a terrible point in their career, their season, however you want to look at it, but it's a terrible point for them at that injury time, but they're always up to talking to us, which is fantastic. So we really appreciate it, and I know the fans like to hear from them. So it's awesome to continue to get their name out there despite the fact they're on the couch and watching TV in many cases. So, yeah, thanks for that, Devin. All right, that's the end of the show this week, guys and girls. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we need those T-shirt orders to our email, info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto on your favorite social media app and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. If you haven't already, you should definitely hit that subscribe button and that helps us uh, get up in the algorithms. And what also helps is that if your podcast app allows that you leave us a rating. So when this episode ends, which will be in a few seconds here, go straight to our homepage there on the podcast app and leave us a rating. That'd be much appreciated. Don't forget to follow all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon to be some additional content coming here soon on alwaysmoto.com. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Polar Australia, Slamboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show's support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor, Thank you to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.